0: Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. January 15th, 2009 was an ordinary day in New York City. Flight 1549. A regular U.S. Airways trip from LaGuardia Airport took off, bound for Charlotte, North Carolina. Captain Sully did all the usual checks. Some of you might have watched the movie. Everything was fine until two minutes after takeoff, the aircraft ran straight into a flock of Canada geese. One goose in a jet engine would be serious. A flock was disastrous. Almost at once, both engines were severely damaged and lost all power. The plane was also headed over the Bronx, one of the most densely populated parts of the city. Captain Sully and his co-pilot had to make several major decisions instantly if they were going to save the lives of people not only on board, but also on the ground. The local airports in the distance were too far. They might crash land on the way. Landing the plane on the busy New Jersey Turnpike was also too dangerous. That left only one option, the Hudson River. It's difficult to crash land on water. One small mistake and the plane will turn over and over like a gymnast before completely breaking up and sinking. In the two or three minutes, everyone say two or three minutes. They had before landing, Sully and his co-pilot had to do the following vital things along with a host of other tasks. They had to shut down the engines. They had to set the right speed so the plane could glide as long as possible without power. They had to get the nose of the plane down to maintain speed. Then they had to disconnect the autopilot and override the flight management system. They had to seal the vents and valves to make the plane as waterproof as possible once it hit the water. Most important of all, in order to land going with the flow of the river, they had to fly-slash-glide the plane using only battery-operated systems and an emergency generator in a fast left turn, quickly straightening up out of the Tilt, making it perfectly level, getting the nose back up again, but not too far, to land straight and flat on the water. They had to do all of that in the time, from the time I got up here to where I am right now. And they did it. Everyone got off safely, with enough time for Captain Sully himself to go stay in the plane, walk up and down the aisle a couple times to make sure everything was fine, everyone had escaped before leaving the plane himself. Now, some people and a lot of the news that reported it would have said this is a miracle. How many of say this is a miracle? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Yet on another level, this life-saving miracle was also the result of three things. Years of training and experience, right habits, and character. Years of training and experience, right habits, and character in ancient literature that writers had one word to describe this kind of thing. They called it virtue. Everyone say virtue. Virtue. You know, I think actually we can relate to Captain Sully on more ways than we might realize. Now you might never be flying a plane ready to crash, hopefully, you know, or maybe that, you know, maybe you're a pilot and you've experienced that or almost, But how many of us have ever felt like maybe a friendship or a relationship was crashing? Anybody ever experienced that? Or maybe you felt like your business was crashing. This baby's going down hard. Or maybe you felt like your soul was headed for a crash. Some of you are looking around the world thinking, it is crashing, baby, everything, boom, boom, boom. It's a disaster out there. We're going to crash. How do you respond? How do you respond? Some of us freak out. (laughs) Some of us go into the fetal position. No, no, no. And I think many of us Christ followers, or maybe we have some kind of faith or some understanding. Maybe we were raised in the church. Maybe we have an experience of being raised or exposed to maybe a faith environment of our grandparents or parents or some friend or an aunt. So we kind of have this idea about, I should ask God to help me when I'm in a crisis. Yes, that's kind of like a good idea, hey? But I find even for us Christ followers, those of us that walk maybe for, you know, whether it's a month or whether it's most of our life, I think sometimes what we want is we want God to fix our problems. And we want God to fix our relationships. But his answer is actually, no, I need you to persevere through this. I'm not going to fix it. You just need to walk through this. Or maybe we ask God to change someone's heart. Change their attitude. And God's answer is no. I just need you to serve them as they are. Some of you spouses. That's going to save your marriage right there. Or some of us, we want God to take away the problems or take us out of the problems. Get rid of the stuff that makes us fearful and anxious. But God's answer is... You just need to be courageous. See, we want magic, but God desires virtue. I'm gonna say that again. Cause there's a lot of us that say we follow Jesus, but we don't want a savior that changes and transforms us. We want a genie that we can rub when we're in a hard time or the grand wizard to wave his wand and everything magically fixes itself. God, We want magic. God desires virtue. Transform character. Now, I'll give you a moment to say, ah, I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> it's not the answer we want to hear. We want to hear, here's three ways to fix your life and it will all be better. You know what? I am actually going to take one moment right here and I am going to publicly, and I'm very serious. I'm going to publicly repent (laughs) as the pastors of city life for having a phrase for many years saying, making it easy for people to say yes to follow Jesus. Honestly, I'm sorry. It was a well meaning saying, yes, we wanted to make it easy. We wanted to not have a weird, stupid, freaky atmosphere that freaked people out before they could come to Jesus. Come on, freaking weird. We're not doing that. You don't need somebody yelling at the back of your head in tongues or some other weird thing, freaking out, and what the heck is that? But I'll just say from here on out, it's not easy to follow Jesus. So it's totally fine if you want to find another church from here on out. But this isn't going to be an easy place. Because following Jesus means die. It just does. (laughs) Sorry. Welcome to a new season in city life. 1 Peter 2.9, Peter, who was one of the closest friends of Jesus, said this, but you're a special people. This is speaking to you and I. Look at the person beside you and say, you are special. Not like you're special in a weird way, but you are special. <laughs> you are special people, a holy nation. Everyone say, I'm holy. Say, I'm a priest and a king. You are a special people, a holy nation, priests and kings, a people given up completely to God, and here's the key, so that you may make clear the virtues of him who took you out of the world and into the light of heaven. And this series that we're starting, is called Uprising, virtues that release the transforming power of God. Now this whole word virtues, it's just, we'll just call it what it is, it's weird. It's not a word we use very much. It's not the word you'll use with your friends, you know? Oh, look at her virtue. He's such a man of virtue. How many times do you say that when you're working out the gym with your buddies? You know, when was the last time you had a conversation with your friend? What virtue are you working on? We don't talk about this. Now, some call virtue character, but character can easily be confused with personality. They're just a joyful person. That's just who they are. I'm not like that. They're just a naturally kind person. I'm not that way. That's not what virtue is. Virtue is something very different. Let me explain. Salvation. This thing that we kind of put different words on, following Christ. Surrendering our life to Christ. Being a Christian, being saved. There's a lot of different words. But salvation is about learning how to be a, a human in a new kind of way. The Jesus way. And this Jesus way isn't so much about keeping rules, but in a way that forms our character and our moral judgments so that we can live by their guidance and not just what we are reflexes. Come on, if you and I were Captain Sully in that plane, our natural reflexes would have killed all of us. It's true. But his character... Who he was had been formed and his moral judgments had been formed in such a way. See, the name for this new way of being human, for the transforming of our character, when that transformation takes place, the name for that is actually virtue. It's not our virtue, but Christ's in us. Virtue, I love what N.T. Wright says. He said, virtue is what happens when wise, courageous choices which start off practice with difficulty and great concentration becomes second nature to us in other words if we're going to reflect the kindness and compassion of jesus you are going to suck at it for a long time but you keep doing the habits of kindness, even when you don't feel like it. See, the problem in our world today is we've been conditioned and we train our kids that when our feelings feel bad, we run from those things. And if I don't feel like it, I shouldn't do it because I don't want to be a hypocrite. That's a completely different story. How many of you ever felt like just, you know, on that third week of making a decision to get up at 5 a.m. and work out, you know? usually, But then you're like, "Uh, heck no, I'd rather stay with bed. Did you get up and do it? So the things that are, they're hard first, but then they become second nature to us. That's what we want. So here's the question. Why virtue? Why do we want to be people of virtue? Why do we want the virtues of something like courage or perseverance? Virtues like honor or loyalty, generosity. Our virtue is really about us just being good people so people can like us, or so people can think well about us or speak well about us? The answer is no. (laughs) Here's another one. Maybe you're saying, well, virtues are so we can be like Jesus. Sort of, but that's not the end goal. Why is it important? Why is it important that we want to be like Jesus or that we're transform to be like Jesus. Some of you are like, I have, this is too early for questions. Just give me information. I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you to think today. Now, before we can answer that question, why is it important? Why virtue? Why is it important to be like Jesus? We need to answer this question first. What's the goal of the Christian life? Why are you doing the Jesus stuff you do if you call yourself a follower of Jesus? Is it just to avoid hell? I'm sorry if somebody told you, but that's the wrong answer. (laughs) Do we follow Jesus so we can be with Jesus when we die? Well, sort of, but that's not the full answer either. See, if we receive the gift Christ's gift of salvation that he gives to us, which means life eternal, transformed, being with Jesus forever. We will be with Jesus when we die. But after we're hanging out with Jesus for a while, then what? Have you ever thought about that? And some of you are like, yeah, that's quiet. I have a hard time with this whole eternity thing. It doesn't sound fun, just energy and floating. And what will it be like? Well, it's none of that. So much better. Let me tell you. This is the biblical story. God made the world good. Humans wrecked it and ourselves. But God promised a complete makeover of all of creation. Everything completely made new. The whole world, a complete makeover. Renewed from top to bottom. So that everything we can see and even stuff we can't see, everything would be filled with his glory and his presence. And get this, we get new bodies. Yes. (laughs) We will have new strong bodies that we will be able to use and we will be able to discover and develop this new makeover world that God is doing. But here's the question. In the meantime, what's life for? Do we just sit around and wait till Jesus shows up? No. Jesus showing up on earth, bringing the good news, his death on the cross, and his resurrection three days later. All of that was telling and showing that God's promise, his transformation plan, To make over everything. Everyone say transformation plan. That he had promised in the end was actually showing up ahead of time in Jesus. Are you tracking with me? God said he was going to do it in the end. But he couldn't wait. So he said, I'm coming in the flesh to earth. And we're going to get this project started sooner rather than later. That's why the message Jesus came bringing was good news. It wasn't good news, your sins are forgiven and you'll be in heaven when you die someday. It was good news, your sins are forgiven, and God is starting a brand new thing. He's starting the restoring, the renewing project called making all things new. It's starting now. You don't have to wait. It's starting ahead of time. And the sign... That God was launching this new big makeover, new creation project, was that His kingdom was here now. That's what Jesus said. I came proclaiming God's kingdom has come to earth. God's kingdom is appearing on earth. God's kingdom is here now on earth. That's what He meant. He wasn't just using metaphorical language. He was saying God was changing things right now. And when he rose from the dead, it was a sign that God had started something brand new. But here's the thing. There's a requirement. Because God's kingdom is very different than this world that we're familiar with, that we're comfortable in. Broken, selfish, self-saving humans We can't handle God's kingdom. We can't live in it. We broke it once, we'll break it again. Hello. (laughs) God needed to change or transform us into the type of humans that could live in a very different environment. And the only way that's possible is by receiving the gift of salvation life that Jesus gives us, allowing his spirit to live in us. And then we let God do the transforming work on us, changing and transforming who we are, our character on the inside. He changes us into new creation humans. We don't, we get to experience his, create, his new creation life, his kingdom now, and we also become partners in what he's doing in this world. First Peter 2, nine again, but you are a special people, a holy nation, priests and kings. You're a people given up completely to God. You know what that means? It means you're thoroughly converted. There's this yield, this thing about God, it's okay, yes, I'm saying yes, Jesus, and I don't wanna do this, but I'm saying yes, I need you to convert this part of me that's just so selfish. You're thoroughly converted. You've been given up completely to God so that you may make clear the virtues of him who took you out of the dark and into the light. See, this whole change process is about God's character, his nature, his virtues, getting worked in us so what's in us comes out. So what's His of his character comes out of us. It's revealed through us. I hope this is following? Am everybody thoroughly confused? Are you getting it? Some of you are like, eh, I don't know. See, God's the goal of the Christian life is that every space is filled with His character, His nature, His glory, and His presence. And that comes through you and I being transformed to carry his nature. That his character is transformed. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you remember what it was like before Jesus. You remember how lost you were. You remember how rejected you felt. You remember how alone you felt. You remember how addicted you felt. You remember how guilty it felt you remember how empty it felt to be pulling in six figures for an income and yet still feeling so empty. Some of you remember, and you know what it's like to have that transformation on the inside. And some of you have been thinking you've been following, but you're like, this is really hard. (laughs) Like, what's wrong with me? It's called God's trying to change you. His goal is to kill the old you so that the resurrected you, his life in you, can come out and be seen. That's the purpose of life. It's why we have life and breath in our lungs. See, this is what discipleship is about. It's forming Christ in a person's character. See, why is something like joy a big deal? Is it just so we can be those happy, fun people that everybody wants at the party? No. No. I mean, that's nice, but that's not the reason why we want to be joyful people. Being joyful, joy is such a big deal, is because joy is a quality of God's kingdom. Joy is the way that when we are joyful, we, and especially, joy is only the thing that you can really have when life is hard and you're still joyful anyway. Anybody can be happy when life's going your way and you just got promotion and your kids are succeeding. You have no dad. You can do whatever you want. I mean, hell, everybody can be joyful then. <laughs> but can you be joyful? When you lost your job, you got you to work with the idiot next door who just takes all the credit for your work and everybody at school ignores you and your kids are off the rails. <laughs> Can you be joyful? Because see, joy is the way that we reveal. There's a different narrative that we live in. There's a different reality. The kingdom of God, there's a different reality than just this dark, depressive, anxious world that we live in. Why is peace so important? Is it so people can be in awe how we are just so calm and collected when all hell's going around us? No! Peace is a quality of God's kingdom, it's His nature. Why is generosity and serving such a big deal? Why are we on you about getting involved and serving? It's because serving and generosity is the way God's kingdom functions. See, God's kingdom doesn't function with everybody do your own thing. Do whatever you want. Grab all you can and hang on. God's kingdom doesn't work that way. God's kingdom actually functions. Through serving and generosity, it's they're the atmosphere. It's not just something we do. Serving and generosity are the atmosphere or the culture of God's kingdom. That's why part of God's kingdom is we serve and we contribute together. It's why you get irritated when people talk about serving or where the offering comes up. You're like, oh, I wish they'd shut up. That's a part of your character God's trying to reform, so you look more like Him. I'm being mom this morning. Sorry. Why is honor such a big deal? Because God's kingdom, God's kingdom is all about putting others ahead of ourselves. Loyalty. Loyalty is God's nature. It's a, one of the shades of his love called covenant. Why is perseverance such a big deal? Because perseverance is the actual quality of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is a kingdom that endures everything. God's kingdom is a kingdom that lasts. See, if we're going to live in truth, we need to live in a way that reveals truth. Truth isn't just factual information. Truth is a way of living. And you can have all the head knowledge up here and know stuff, but that's not truth. Truth is when my life reflects it, when our lives reflect it. And now you are it's, it's a way of living that shows, tr- living in truth and revealing truth. In the way that reveals God's kingdom is here now on earth. And we reveal that through our character being transformed or through the virtue of God coming through us. Now, some of you are probably thinking, who could ever live this way? This is impossible. It is. We need to be transformed. What the Bible calls being born again. You need to become a new type of human. You don't add Jesus into your life. You have to say, I'm willing to die. This is what baptism is all about next week. It's an action. I'm going into some water. How does that change anything? I don't know. It just does. I'm dying. We can hold you longer if you want. (laughs) We won't. But I'm going into the tank... Like Jesus' body was put in the ground when I cup up out of the water, not three days, it's like barely three seconds. But you're rising into a new life. That's why baptism, it's not just I, I, I'm not that kind of person. No, you're not the kind of person, you're not a new human until you make that kind of commitment. We need to be transformed. We need to become a new type of human filled with the life of the only one who can live this new life, and it's Jesus. And then we let the Spirit of God transform us. We let God do the work of forming his virtue in us. How does he do that? Through habits. And number two, hard stuff. The hard stuff that chisels off the stuff of us that's not going to make it. This is what Paul meant when he said, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. We don't work to get saved, but we receive the gift of salvation. And Then baby, you got to work. And see these virtues that we're going to be unpacking are less about us being good people. And these virtues are the way the transforming power of God is going to be released. What's going to change your school students? It's the character of God being released through your life. What's going to transform your marriage? Serving and forgiveness and grace and kindness and compassion. What's going to transform your workplace? What's going to transform our community? It's not us being good people. We can't do that on our own. We need to live in a way that allows these virtues to become second nature in us. And that's what church life is all about. It's we practice in this environment. You get on a team and you serve with people you don't know, you don't don't like and frankly they drive you nuts <laughs> and you get you sacrifice by giving up your schedule to serve for 40 minutes or an hour or a couple times in the month and you do it because when you practice these virtues in-house they become second nature where there's less grace out there See, we live in a time, church, man, where our world desperately needs healing. We are a world hurting like never before. We have never been more divided, more on edge. Not just in Canada, our whole planet. We've never been more anxious, more fearful, more selfish more self-centered, more mean. See, it's a real encounter with Jesus that our world needs. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, John 17, 18, I have commissioned them to represent me just as you, Father, commissioned me to represent you. See, virtues are about re Jesus in our world. When I show up with kindness, when I show up with honor, when I show up and persevere, when I show up with joy when I least feel like it, when I show up to serve and to be generous with my life, I'm represencing that generous quality of Jesus. I'm representing his character. I'm representing the nature of his honor and his grace and his compassion and his loyalty. I'm making Jesus present in a world. It's not us who can heal people. It's only the life and presence of Jesus that can do that. Let's stand. I want to pray. We need this church. I can't stress this enough, this is not about us becoming good people so people can like us and we can be those, all those happy-jappy Christians. We need the transforming power of God changing us so that comes out and it transforms us. I want you to close your eyes. I want to invite you to lift your hands, especially if you've never done this before. Something is going to break over, those of you that do this, and I don't say this because I need this. You need something in you to break so that you can experience the life and presence of God like never before. Can we pray this together? Heavenly Father, I don't want to be just an ordinary human. (laughs) I want to be a new human, and I can't do this on my own. Jesus, I need you, and I say yes to receiving the gift that you died and rose again to give me Jesus I receive salvation Holy Spirit come live in me come transform me let your virtue be formed in me in Jesus name Amen